This is IGN. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. This is IGN. Rogue Book Review. It's about time. By Cam Shea. I've spent a lot of my gaming time over the last five plus years duking it out against all manner of foes using the most powerful weapon of them all. Cards. And in that time, two of my favorite card-based battle games have been Feria and Slay the Spire. With Rogue Book, those worlds are colliding. Well, to be more precise, developer Abracam has brought its Feria universe across to the roguelike deck builder genre and created something of a literal storybook take on Slay the Spire. Roguebook doesn't quite reach the same dizzying gameplay heights as that game, but it has a lot to offer, from its clever dual-hero battle system and gorgeous presentation through to its puzzle-like overworlds that are built around the premise that you're trapped within Feria's lore book. One of Rogue Book's most interesting points of differentiation is its overworld exploration. Every map starts out with large swaths of blank parchment, and it's only by using brushes and ink pots that you can reveal what's on each tile. As you paint, you'll come across opportunities to draft more cards, to transmute existing cards, and to build up your in-battle energy reserves. You'll discover piles of gold that can be spent at each chapter's shop, you'll collect relics that can potentially power up your game plan, and you'll stumble upon standalone events and mythical creatures. Working out how to best gather and use ink makes for an absorbing layer of overworld strategy. Each enemy encounter, meanwhile, is an opportunity to test the cards, abilities, buffs, and modifiers you've cobbled together so far. How well does your strategy fit together? And are you taking full advantage of the two heroes you'd chosen at the start of the run? Can you deal with multiple foes or work around status effects? And do you have enough lethality to topple enemies that steadily build their power? There's generally a lot to keep in mind, especially as the row of relics and talents at the top of the screen gets longer and longer. These perks, after all, fundamentally inform your choice of cards to draft, as well as how to approach any given fight. If you have the relic Sturdy Shell, for instance, it gives the equipped hero 5 block each time he or she takes damage. If an enemy's looking to attack for low damage repeatedly, then you'll want to end your turn with that hero at the front to basically negate the damage. With the blocking taken care of, this also means you can prioritize attacking or deploying allies that turn. If you have the relic Flame of Ignis, you'll get an extra energy orb at any time a card grants you one which means you should aggressively draft cards that do just that, as well as more expensive cards and card draw, as you know you'll be able to take advantage of them. Even the cards in your deck can be modified thanks to Rogue Book's gem system. You may want to reduce a card's cost, add card draw, or perhaps always start a battle with a particular card in hand. Cleverly utilizing gems can have a massive impact on your deck's power level, and I really enjoyed looking for build-defining synergies. 
Roguebuck's turn-based battle system has many layers. Like Slay the Spire, you'll spend energy to play cards. You'll point attacks that do damage at enemies, and you'll find ways to build up block to mitigate incoming damage. More uniquely, you'll also deploy allies into the battlefield, some of which offer up unique benefits like returning a card to hand or letting you swap hero positions, while others simply do damage at the end of every turn. The design element I find most compelling, however, is the front and back dynamic for the two heroes. Swapping their positions is baked into many of the cards. Cast one of Shara's defense cards to gain buck, for instance, and she'll move to the front. Cards with charge do the same, while cards with retreat send the hero to the back. Swapping heroes is also regularly used to avoid position-specific debuffs and to trigger effects. While ending the turn with a particular hero at the front is a big part of the strategy as they're the one that will take any damage. Some heroes utilize a specific position well, too. Being at the front gives Shira a boost to her attack power, for instance. But if she's paired with Cypher, you may want to end turns with him in the lead. Not only does he have higher native health, but any damage he takes adds to his rage meter, which, when full, allows him to play a supercharged version of one of his cards. Swapping positions is also a big part of gaining incremental resource advantages. Melee cards, for instance, cost one less when played by a hero who is leading, while ranged cards are the same for the rear position. Weaving these discounts in while also paying attention to other keywords like combo, which drops the cost of the combo card by one if you play a card from the other hero first, is integral to making the most of your turns. Each hero also has strengths, weaknesses, and unique mechanics to be aware of. Shara, for example, can generate daggers, which are essentially zero-cost damage spells. She also has plenty of strong single-target attack cards and can cause ongoing bleed in enemies. Sirocco's cards, meanwhile, are generally a little more expensive but hit harder. He's more focused on AOE, on boosting the power of heroes and on generating block, and sometimes turning it into damage. As mentioned, Cypher has the Rage mechanic, so has cards that generate rage or take advantage of rage, as well as ways to sacrifice health and then heal back up. He can also deploy aggressive allies and then bolster their attack, or sacrifice them to save his own hide. The last hero is Aurora, a low-health spell-casting tortoise who can summon an army of frogs, which all stack atop one another to create a single heavy-hitting ally. Many of her cards are either concerned with her health or are dual-sided. Sip is an example of both, healing for four if Aurora is damaged, but dealing four to the lead enemy if not. Sips are generated through a host of support cards, and Aurora also has plenty of card draws too. Building a winning deck with cards from two distinct pools is quite fun, but Rogue Buck's heroes aren't all that mechanically interesting. I didn't want to explore Cypher's rage mechanic in the same way I became obsessed with orb strategies for the defect in Slay the Spire, for instance. Many of Rogue Book's best ideas feel game-wide rather than hero-driven. Compounding this, having cards from two heroes in your deck makes aiming for a narrow strategy particularly difficult. You're rewarded for having more cards in your deck, too with new talent choices unlocked at certain thresholds, and this is very much a mixed blessing. With this style of game, the more cards you draft, the more watered down your strategy will inevitably become. Deciding how large your deck should be is an interesting push and pull each run, but having rewards tied to larger decks doesn't necessarily make Rogue Book a better game. After you beat Rogue Book once, you'll get access to New Run Plus. This epilogue has 15 levels of difficulty to work through and a whole host of modifiers to unlock, and then select, that will radically alter each run. Your lead hero might take damage each time he or she plays a card, for instance. Or the back enemy may always start stealthed. It's an interesting approach, but I found myself wishing each row was unlocked at once. 
as opposed to unlocking each modifier individually, as some were much more appealing to attempt than others. The higher the epilogue level you clear, the more pages you're rewarded, and these are spent on significant metagame upgrades like boosting the starting health of your heroes, adding more energy walls to each map, and increasing the likelihood of rarer cards or treasures dropping. For the most part, the embellishments help make you more powerful for future runs, but you may want to think twice before unlocking some of the options. Randomizing the cards in your starter deck, for instance, certainly has high roll potential, but it can also leave you at a disadvantage. There's something to be said for starting with a vanilla deck that's reliable enough in the early game and that you then build on, while transmuting away the weaker cards over time. New Game Plus represents significant endgame component, but it's still a shame Rogue Book doesn't have anything outside of it. I'd have loved an additional palette cleanser mode, like daily challenges or the ability to create custom runs for fun in which I build my own starter deck, swap starter relics, and so on. Rogue Book also has a few issues to clear up. I encountered numerous bugs in my time with the game, from cards not working as intended, through to a run in which one of my hero's starter relics simply went AWOL. I also lost a few hours' progress at one point thanks to an issue with cloud save functionality. Thankfully, the game has already received a couple of significant patches, including one after the bulk of my playtime, so things are heading in the right direction. The Verdict Roguebook's positional gameplay makes for a really fun combat puzzle, but the downside of the two-hero system is that player strategy feels less focused than the best the genre has to offer. I enjoyed trying to combine hero abilities in unexpected ways, but the bespoke hero mechanics often weren't compelling enough to really elevate that. Even so, Roguebook is an entertaining new take on the deck builder genre, and its new ideas and lovingly realized world make it well worth a look. Roguebook gets a good 7 out of 10. Spoken Layer Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.